Thank you for listening to the Yoga Writer Podcast, where we explore the power of words, the wisdom of yoga, storytelling, and spirituality for modern life. I'm your host, Melissa Carroll, a writer, yoga teacher, and lover of words and stories and magic. Wow. Friends, bunnies, puppy dogs, and fellow people, it is 2022. Can you believe it? I can't. I feel like time has been put in a blender and then melted down and then just like thrown up in the air like confetti. But here we are in this moment together. And you've made it to this moment. Maybe like me, you're still processing 2020, let alone 2021. For me lately, even saying the cliche Happy New Year to people on Zoom or in emails or with friends and phone conversations just feels fake. It feels like it's made out of plaster or glass that's about to crack and break, stating the obvious here, but it has been and continues to be such a tumultuous, painful time in human history. I mean, hi, we are living through a plague. So give yourself some credit for just being here. It's okay if you didn't accomplish any of your goals last year or didn't feel so light and breezy. It's okay if you feel like you barely made it at all. So instead of New Year's resolutions, I'd like to invite you into a question that may be, if you find it inspiring, a guiding light for your days ahead. What are you devoted to? I actually heard this on another podcast, Insights at the Edge with Tammy Simon, and in the episode titled Tracking Wonder, the guest suggested that we wake up every day and ask ourselves that question. What am I devoted to? Because devotion feels very different than goals or external markers of achievement. Devotion is love. It's aliveness. It's an ongoing process, too. Now, we can't talk about devotion without talking about Hanuman, at least in this context, in a yoga podcast. In Hinduism, Hanuman is the symbol of devotion. In many statues and images, he's literally seen ripping his chest open to reveal what's inside the cathedral of his heart. What I love, too, about this iconography is that over the centuries, the artists didn't skimp on the blood. Because let's be honest, if you were going to dig your hands into your sternum and be vulnerable and show us what is in your heart, there would likely be blood. It's more visceral that way in these images and paintings and statues. Love is visceral. Love is embodied. It's not an abstract idea. It's perhaps the most realist thing. And so a little blood feels real, doesn't it? In the great Indian epic, the Ramayana, Hanuman is dedicated to his mission to help Rama rescue his wife, Sita, who's been kidnapped and taken to the island of Lanka. 
that's why when in these images you see Hanuman ripping open his heart, what is inside is a small depiction of Rama and Sita. Rama in this myth is an incarnation of the divine, which is also to say that Rama is, is everything, as everything in the yogic paradigm is divine. Even Ravana, the so-called quote-unquote bad guy in the story, the greedy king who kidnapped Sita, he's only villainous in this incarnation, this turn of the wheel. And this reveals one of my favorite qualities of Hindu mythology in that we are every character in the story. Now, most of the time when you watch a movie or read a novel, you identify with the noble hero, right? But here in these myths, we are confronted with our multitudinous nature. We are Ravana in some moments, ravenous and individualistic, not thinking of others or caring about their welfare, prioritizing our needs above the well-being of others. And in other moments, we're dedicated, loyal, and playful, like Hanuman. We are all of it. And in someone else's story of who you are, you may take on more of a role like Ravana. You may be the the bad one in someone else's narrative and their perspective of you. You may be Rama. You may be the heroine for someone in their perspective too. So in the story, Sita has been abducted and taken to the island of Lanka. And Rama, her devoted husband, is obviously devastated. He asks this army, which is made up of various hybrid animal man forms for help. And Hanuman is a monkey god. He's incredibly powerful. He's strong. He's a formidable warrior. But here's the thing. He doesn't know it. He's forgotten. As a young monkey, Hanuman was really mischievous and he was so powerful and he was also a little naughty, you know, he's a little, he's a little monkey. He, he mistook the sun for a mango in one story. And he, as a lover of mangoes, he leapt up into the sky to try to grab it and was struck down. Hanuman also often messed around in the temples and disrupted the ceremonies of the rishis, the great saints and sages of India. Disgruntled, obviously, the rishis recited an incantation so that young Hanuman would forget his magic. Until one day, many years later, while standing alongside the other warriors on the shoreline, overlooking the vast ocean toward the island of Lanka where Sita lay captive, Hanuman would be reminded of his prowess, of his innate strength and ability. The situation for this army and for Rama seemed totally hopeless. While everyone debated on who among them was capable enough to jump across the ocean and return safely, one of the leaders named Jambavan, a bear god, who knew Hanuman when he was just a young little monkey, reminded him of his power. Jambavan's words essentially broke Hanuman's 
spell, or you could say his unconscious beliefs. And he was encouraged by the great bear king. So Hanuman stood up, stomped the ground, shook his tail, grew 50 times his normal size, and leapt off the shoreline to Lanka. This, of course, is often known as his leap of faith, and it's poetically symbolic for this unique time of year for us as we stand on the threshold of uncertainty. Now, we've always stood on the threshold of uncertainty, but one potential lesson for us collectively from living in this devastating global pandemic is that we can no longer ignore the truth of uncertainty anymore. The myth that we are in control and that our lives are, are certain, especially if we plan ahead of time, has completely fallen apart. And I think this is actually a very important lesson for us all to be learning. It's not a sweet lesson, it's not a fun one, but it's a crucial spiritual initiation for us. We are always leaping into the unknown every moment. In modern yoga asana, the posture of Hanumanasana is, you know, it's the splits, which is emblematic of this leap. And some of you love Hanumanasana, some of you not so much. It's usually one of those poses that people have very strong feelings about, right? Maybe that's also emblematic of our very strong feelings about uncertainty and the unknown. Now, I love this aspect of the story metaphorically because it reminds me of our cultural conditioning. Most of the students I work with in my online shadow work course or my one-on-one -on -one sessions or my online workshops who are many of them yoga teachers themselves or working in the wellness world in some capacity or their helpers or teachers, they all struggle with a severe inner critic, which I do too, by the way. And for many of us, we never feel like we measure up. We have the shadow story of, quote, I'm not good enough and I have to continuously prove myself through work or through achievements or outward success to validate my worth. I've been excavating this story through shadow work for myself for a few years now, but man, it runs deep. So this brings us back to devotion. If you're living in greater alignment with what you are devoted to, then you can untangle the shadow stories of productivity and worth, and ultimately you can expand your capacity for joy and pleasure that much more. So again, I invite you into this question. What are you devoted to? Through devotion, like Hanuman being so devoted to Rama and Sita, he discovered his inner power. He broke the spell of his limiting beliefs. Through your devotion, what might you find your own inner capacity for? Asking yourself this is a really beautiful way to start the day. And honestly, it has shifted how I spend my time considerably. Just last week, when I woke up, I asked myself, what am I devoted to today? And my first impulse was words. 
language, stories as a path toward healing and greater connection, my creative work, my writing, my book, my book that's been 20 years in the making that I technically finished 10 years ago as my graduate thesis for my master's degree that finally needs to, you know, get out of my damn womb, aka the hard drive on my computer, <laughs> and into the world. And so that's what I spent my time on that day. And it was beautiful. Now, did I have a really long to-do list for that day? Of course I did. But what took precedence was my creative writing, which I've been, frankly, mostly neglecting since graduating with my master's degree in 2012. And the aliveness and love, the devotion that I felt to be back with this heart project was so life-affirming and energizing. So yeah, did I have to stay up late the next night working for my freelance clients since I'd spent the previous day immersed in my book? Yes, but for me, it was completely worth it. So maybe as we slowly wade into 2022, maybe you ask yourself what you are devoted to and see where that can take you in your days, whatever pockets of time you can carve out for that devotion. This is also why, as I mentioned earlier, devotion is more of an ongoing process and not so much a resolution with finite results and outcomes attached to us, which frankly can set a lot of us up for disaster. It can set us up for failure, right? If we skip a day or don't meet one of those outcomes, especially those of us with a really loud inner critic, can just abandon the whole project altogether. This is why I find devotion to be a much more inspiring catalytic force than just saying like I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes every single day. If I'm devoted to enhancing my center of peace and mindfulness in my own mind, well then those external activities like meditating every single day will likely happen, but it's coming from a very, very different place. It's coming from an inward engine versus like an, oh, I have to do this activity. And if I don't do it in this exact way, I'll have failed. And this brings me to this concept of arrival and becoming. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing a mentorship Zoom session for one of my clients who is a wonderful yoga and meditation teacher. And even though she's on the brink of retiring from her career and wanting to focus on teaching more and more from her, you know, stereotypical day job, she was really struggling with this idea of who she was going to become. And that got me thinking again about something that I have ruminated on a lot over the years because I myself have often struggled with wondering when I will feel as though I have arrived. And maybe you struggle with this too, because so many of us have in our heads this bullshit narrative of, I'll finally have made it when fill in the blank, right? I'll have made it when I 
am a yoga teacher. I'll have made it when I buy this house. I'll have made it when I get this kind of relationship or publish this book or whatever. And then we'll feel as though somehow we've arrived at a summit, we've arrived at a plateau, and we can exhale. Arrival to me, somatically, it would feel like a sigh. Like, okay, I'm good. I can relax a little bit. I don't have to struggle so much. And the older I get, the more I realize that waiting for some static symbol of arrival in my external life is a fool's game. And instead, perhaps I should be focusing not on this concept of arrival, but on the concept of becoming, because we are always in a state of becoming. Your life is unfolding moment by moment, breath by breath. And if we can align ourselves just a little bit more with that which we are devoted to, Maybe devotion for you looks like actual people in your lives, or maybe it's a greater cause. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's making something to help other people, to make the world a kinder, more compassionate place. Maybe you're devoted these days to your own rest and self-care. Maybe you're devoted to slowness. Maybe you're devoted to nature and her beauty and wisdom and intelligence. Maybe you're devoted to a garden. Maybe you're devoted to mindfulness. Whatever it is you are devoted to, that force will keep you in this beautiful unfolding that is your life, not reaching, grasping for some moment of attainment. What will I become? You're already it. You are becoming it right now. And so in that sense, you've already arrived. And so to close this here audio love note, the first one from the Yoga Writer Podcast for the new year, 2022, I'd like to share with you a little something that I wrote a few weeks ago. It is a blessing for your healing journey. May your healing journey come with hot glue, a silly hat, a text from a good friend, and a great soundtrack. May your healing journey serve you soup and tea. May your healing soften you like butter left on the counter. May your healing journey tip your head to the sky with wonder at least once a day. May your healing journey come with a smorgasbord of laughter. The ab workout laughs, the cry laughs, the laughter that holds you like a hug, the laughter that's warm and roaring, the laughter that breaks the sky like a flock of starlings. May your healing journey be sun-drenched and moonlit. May your healing journey dust your fingertips with the lingering scent of basil after you touch those holy leaves. May your healing journey surprise you and all the yous that you hold of yourself in your mind. May your journey open you like a strawberry blossom. 
May your healing journey take you to the innermost sacred rooms of your heart. May the path take you to the, the very center of yourself. May your healing open you like arms stretched wide. May it open your eyes as wide as a child's. May it open you so that you may hold even more of this world and this world may hold you even more fully because this world is designed to hold all that you are. The thing is, we can't always hold all of ourselves. We've never been taught how, and it's hard, this being human. So now we get to learn. Now is your time. The road is open. It is winding, and we can't see where it's headed, but we can travel the road together for a little while holding each other along the way. And maybe that holding doesn't come with touch, but with words, with a prayer, with a love sent through time and space. Maybe we'll hold each other in this way, in the messy, imperfect ways that we can, flaws and all, over the bumps and detours and setbacks that we'll learn soon enough aren't setbacks after all. Thank you so much for listening to the Yoga Writer Podcast. I appreciate you so much. If you found some joy or nourishment or inspiration from this episode, please rate it, review it, subscribe, give five stars if you're listening on iTunes or whatever it's called, Apple Podcasts, and you can give a review and a rating that way because it truly, truly helps spread the word, especially a little indie project like this that I'm just doing by my lonesome over here at the Yoga Writer Industries, aka my living room. So if you want to share it on social media, tell a friend about it. I would super love that. It would really help, really make a difference and allow me to continue this heart project and offer more creative opportunities in the future for us to connect and build community. Thank you so much. And until next time.